Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another Financial Independence Europe episode. Once again, I'm interviewing and this time it's my co-host, Alvar. We talk about dividend growth investing, something that he has quite a lot of experience in. We talk about how to get started, how can you use dividends to reach financial independence. And we compare it quite a lot to index funds um, to see which one really works best in different situations. Overall, a pretty amazing episode. I really enjoyed interviewing Alvar. So yeah, hope you enjoy it. Before uh, moving on though, just like to mention that we have a new button on our website that says voice message at the top on the right you'll see it not too hard so we'd love for you to send over some voice messages so we can talk about them on the podcast uh, crowdsource some solutions to your problems uh, answer your questions we think it would be very interesting and a great way to start different uh, discussions so yeah please don't hesitate to send us a voice message or an email and enjoy the episode Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Erminta, and Matthias. So I'm here joined with Alvar, my co-host. Uh, we're going to be talking about dividend growth investing. He does quite a bit of it and he enjoys it. And we um, we know that it's a big part of uh, reaching financial independence. So Alvar, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, what you do, and what is dividend investing? What? Uh, why is it such an essential part of financial independence? Okay, so dividend growth investing, in essence, is collecting dividends who grow on a yearly basis, let this grow over time and accumulate more and more t- until a certain point where you can take it out and live off the dividends. That's, in essence, where dividend growth investing stands for. Um, just to throw in a couple of practical ideas around that, um, say you've got a certain company, um, say a supermarket. We've got Tesco in the UK, Ayold in the Netherlands. Um, those companies are really steady dividend-paying companies, and they also have a really uh, stable uh, revenue, incoming cash flow, and everything. And the idea pretty much is those companies earn money every year. They earn a bit of money. They make um, obviously they have their cost, have to pay their employees, but in the end of the year there is profit left. And a lot of companies pay a portion of this profit out to their shareholders, which is called dividends. And these dividends uh, are paid out either in a cash or in a stock base and are on a yearly basis, either monthly, quarterly, half-yearly or yearly, um, given to their investors. And this can be a tiny amount, it can be a big amount, it depends on the value of the share. And you as a shareholder get this and can do with whatever you want. But the magic of dividend growth investing is, let's say you get you buy a company um, called Ehold, Dutch supermarket, trading at the moment around 20-ish euro, um, paying 65 euro cents a year dividend. This company pays you, well, on May uh, every single year, it pays you 65 euro cents, you pay uh, 15% uh, dif- withholding tax over it, and everything that's left is yours. What can you do with this money? Well, you can keep it, spend it on stuff, or just leave it in your bank account, or you reinvest it and buy new shares. 
the idea pretty much is that you reinvest the dividend, buy new shares with it, and the next year your uh, share count will have accumulated uh, to a higher level and you uh, get more gain, more dividends. But because you also have more shares, you also get more dividend. And the nicest thing is lots of companies also increase their dividend on a yearly basis. So say year one you've bought um, 10 shares. Well, you get your uh, dividends paid out, cool, and you reinvest the dividends for an additional share. The next year, you'll get um, also over this additional share dividend paid out. And the beauty then is that often companies will also increase their dividend payout. So uh, you'll have an additional shares, but your original shares also pay out more. This combination ups the amount you get on an annual basis. And if you reinvest this again, then year afterwards you get more. And if you do this again and again, over time it accumulates. And that's the essence of dividend growth investing. Awesome. That's um, true investing, really, because you are getting a um, return every single year. And you can choose to reinvest them or not. I, I think that's very interesting. Um, what I understand about dividends is that it's really just, it's kind of a mini way, mini form of passive income. It's like tiny what you get at the beginning because um, the first year you'll, you won't have much, uh, but then it keeps accumulating itself. So it is some kind of passive income, right? In a way, I wouldn't truly call it passive in the sense that... Um, it does require research to find the right companies to maintain your portfolio. You have to make minor adjustments because it's it's not like, you know, just dump your money in, sit and relax and let it flow in. You do have to pick the right companies, um, change your philosophy over time and every single year find good new companies that will pay out dividends um, and um, keep track of the markets. It's not a major time investment personally. We're probably talking about uh, one or two uh, hours a month in the sense that... Um, I actually have to track this portfolio, but this is built up in almost 10 years in the sense that in 10 years time I've built shares, I've seen which companies work for me, which don't. Every year I add a couple to my buy slash watch list, um, but yeah, it takes a while to get the hang of it, so where to find uh, your sources, where to find your companies, and that, um, yeah, that, that just takes a bit of time. Okay, so then it's, uh, it's not exactly passive income, but it's... Uh... Yeah, you still need to work at it, but it's still pretty sweet to get, you know, every year. If you do it right, every year you get a little bit of amount. So, um, can you tell me a bit, like, what, what, what are the benefits of dividend growth investing uh, in comparison to any other investing or, in general, trying to build a different kind of passive income? Why would you encourage other people to pursue dividend growth investing? Really good question, Armada. So, <laughs> um, in my personal opinion, um, dividend growth investing is, um, I wouldn't call it superior, but um, a beneficial over index investing because you're actually personally, um, you know, it's not just, hey, you buy VTI and you just grab a bunch of index funds, dump your money in there and leave it, get your annual 7% a year and that's it. Um, where it's actually about with dividend growth investing and why it's so suited for advice because you actively have to research companies, you have to understand them, you have to understand their businesses, you have to really be aligned with their core values, what they do and how they work. So that's one. Two is because it's um, you're actually getting cash every single year. You get cash, you get more cash, more and more and more. So it's cash in the hands. It's actually you can use it as an income that comes in every year. You can um, put it in and allocate it to different sources based on your personal needs. It's flexible. Whereas an index fund uh, will um, just 
grow over time, pay you a little bit of dividend, but that's it. It's uh, an index fund. We can go into a debate on index funds another day, yeah. but um, I just feel that it's you have to, up to a certain extent, control your own investments and be able to make changes if um, it's needed. If the market changes or there is an enormous crash that you can change if the companies you've got in your portfolio. So the true benefits summarized of different growth investing, um, cash flow, you can control it yourself. And once you reach FI, you don't have to sell shares or anything. You just let it flow. You simply pocket the money that comes in and that's it. Um, you obviously still have to um, adjust and change minor things over time, even when you reach financial independence. But in essence, you can just pocket once you're done. So, yes, um, I agree. That does make sense. You have more control. Uh, it means you could have more gains. But it also means you could have more losses because if um, if the market crashes tomorrow, companies have to stop giving dividends, right? So what happens? How how could you make losses, or how what happens if the market crashes, for example? I would love it. The reason for that is that. Um the dividend company or the dividend paying companies I invest in are really, really conservative, stable companies. We're talking AT&T, we're talking supermarkets, we're talking energy providers, we're talking Vodafone, we're really talking stable companies that have a really, really long track record of paying out dividends. And um, they haven't failed during the Great Recession, they haven't failed, uh, sorry, Great Recession, they haven't failed during the market crash, they haven't failed during the dot-com bubble, they've always kept paying out their dividends. Um, um, but all right, that's nice. But let's say one of two of them go bankrupt. But let's say a couple of them just don't make it. Okay, that's where a portfolio comes in there. That's where management comes in. So obviously I'm not saying put all your eggs in one basket. You focus on different industries um, and build up a portfolio of, most people say 15 to 20 uh, stocks is most uh, efficient, uh, objectively speaking. Personally, I have around 30 companies in my portfolio divided over many different industries um, that cover pretty much every section of the economy. Uh, and then it really varies from uh, telecom companies to simply oil producers to um, yeah, just a really wide range of different sectors. So if one sector goes down, there is always another one that goes up. Um, and that's just simply the, the dynamics of the economy. And in that sense, um, I feel it's actually safer than index funds because I can control this myself. And in my assumptions and uh, over returns, I simply assume a couple of my companies will go bankrupt over the next 10 years. Um, honestly, it hasn't happened in the last 10 years, but I work in my uh, return assumptions. I work uh, based that out of my 30 companies, I expect two or three to go bankrupt every 10 years. Although I agree with you, I do feel that you have to be pretty educated in stocks and in the market to be able to, you know, pick which companies you want to invest in. For the normal um, person in a job working who can't be bothered to you know investigate in stocks and uh, look at the balance sheet of a company who doesn't want to do all that um, maybe index fund is better just because you know there's less work to do and and you do have I mean over time it's going to be a bit more um, it, it'll definitely significant returns um, don't you think actually well then we're gonna uh, into the debate of index funds versus uh, different growth investing um, just to give a short comment on that um, so in my view index funds are insanely overvalued at the moment and overhyped um, and what I mean by that is 
that every if every single person in the world is jumping into index funds does the exact same thing and just believes like hey if we just index every single possible thing in the world um we'll always get our several seven percent annual return and that's it um i don't believe that works for the following reasons if everybody does the same thing it just has to go wrong at some point Two, if one minor thing goes wrong and, and indexes are s uh, set up in such a way that they either track market cap or uh, just simply hey, I have to go 20 stocks and they go, get, all get 5% of my value, um, they really trigger by strong market events. If wars break out, if uh, another trade war happens or whatever, uh, it increases volatility, it increases market responses, it actually makes things less predictable over the long term, the more people actually jump into index funds. And that whole combination and just the fact that everybody is jumping into them, I just don't like doing the exact same thing as everybody else is doing. I view um, you have to differentiate. And I mean, I also personally invest in index funds, but I find that you have to um, do more things than just one thing. Okay, well, you're right. We're not going to get into an index fund versus dividend investing um, discussion, but I do think it's very interesting, and I would love to hear other people's comments or thoughts. Um, on our blog, you can add a comment, and um, or even send us an email, or even on social media. We'd love to hear if you're more into index funds or dividend growth investing. Anyway, so um, moving on back to financial independence, um, how can how would you recommend using dividend investing to reach FI? Like, yeah, okay, so it's passive, um, so it's passive income. That's pretty, that's pretty sweet. But do you, how would you use dividend investing to either reach financial independence faster? Or use it once you've passed your passed the line and once you've reached phi. So dividend growth investing is not necessarily a way to reach phi faster, but it's a more stable, more predictable uh, way to reach phi, pretty much. So say you've got a timeline of 20 years um, and you want an any or like a monthly income or an annual income of say uh, four thousand a month or 48 uh, on a yearly basis, um, and you want to reach this. Your goal is finding the right companies that pay out a nice dividend. If you've got 20 years, you can go through a bunch of market cycles and you want to practically, you just want to get this done. And you've got a bit of money to start with and every month you can um, add, say, 1500 to your total amount uh, to get started. So st say you start with 20000 I would simply divide this over a few companies you really believe in, you know, you follow and you're confident with. Um, just to get um, yeah into the game and get it following. Then um, let those companies pay you out dividends uh, and let it accumulate. Reinvest them if at that point you find those companies fairly valued. Otherwise, just pot the money up and let it grow. Slowly add um, your monthly contributions to the amount you've available to invest, and then either invest in companies that are that at that point offer a good value or are um, undervalued, or wait until um, good events like for example Brexit and uh, why um, those events can be interesting to get started like this. So um, in 2016 in June when uh, Brexit actually happened straight after the referendum there was an enormous crash on the markets and you saw uh, shares uh, plumb by like 20-30% some of them and that was the point where I got in big and what I mean by that is that I had a buy list set up waiting for this moment where companies I really really wanted to buy but found overvalued went down in price like crazy I'm not saying time to market but once you get started it can be extremely nice to buy them at an undervalued price in my view at that point so 
I scooped up a whole bunch of nice companies in that way to get started. And since then, I have actually followed the normal regular advice I always give. Just simply invest in reliable companies like 2025-30 companies you've got uh, gathered and just divide. Uh, say you've got 1500 uh, month one you buy AT&T, month two you buy a supermarket, month three you buy Vodafone. Just divide it like that and let it grow over time. Reinvest the dividends you get and your monthly contributions. And then a summary is how I would use dividend growth investing to reach FI. Thank you, Alvar. I just want to reiterate that um, we are not financial advisors. <laughs> Follow everything that, like, do your research, basically. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be responsible for any losses. Important to say, to have that disclaimer. Anyway, uh, moving on. So dividend growth investing sounds pretty cool. I'd love to get started. I personally am invested in Rio Tinto, and that's pretty much, they're the only company I'm invested in who give out dividends. Um, but um, apart from that, um, how can someone who's interested in dividend uh, investing, how can they get started? Give us a f like some steps, nice, easy, simple, and... Uh so I would get started by reading up on just the core principles of what, how does how do companies work? What's a dividend? Um, how does it work? When do I get it paid? Um, how much do I get paid? How is it taxed? Just the simple stuff around investing in dividends. Um, Investopedia, Seeking Alpha um, are good sources to read up and find articles just to get you started and get um, a bit familiar with all the terms that are being used. That's what I would do to get started. Then I uh, would really just add a small amount and buy a company to get some flesh in the game and uh, work from there and then follow uh, pretty much the strategy I gave earlier uh, in just add your monthly contributions to the companies you find worthy of investing in. There are lots of top 20s and top 30s of like investors that have done this for 20, 30 years of like the most reliable companies with data um, on dividend growth investing. Important things to look out for, um, payout ratios, uh, dividend yields, um, dividend track records, and how long, uh, pretty much how long have companies been paying out dividends, how much have they been going out, and what is the growth of a dividend on a yearly basis, because you want your dividends to grow. You want them to be stable, you want your companies to be able to keep paying them out for, well, as long as you need it. Um, so we really look at those core factors, but read up on um, the earlier given sources and just make sure you get yourself familiar with um, all the terms. So watch a bunch of YouTube videos, type in dividend growth investing in YouTube and you'll find tons of nice videos. Um, I'll add a bunch to the show notes that really give a good and thorough explanation of how this works. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to be honest. When you told me all that, the most that I understood was do your research, which is very true. One must do their research. And it's actually very hard to give specific advice when, you know, we're talking about Europe here. Every single country is different, blah, blah, blah. So I think what I'm going to ask you instead is um, how do you do it? Give me a step-by-step -step process how you do it. The name of your broker, uh, you don't have to tell me the name of all the companies you invest mm -hmm. in, but, you know, when you just started out, give me a little process of how, like, so I'm going to start again. Um, give me a step-by-step Walk me through your... Yeah, okay. Walk me through how you got started, the broker you used, um, how you did your research. You say YouTube, and that's great. Uh, and we're probably going to add some more mm. uh, links in the post. But uh, yeah, just talk me through how you got started personally. 
So I personally got started just after the 08 and 09 crisis in terms of actually reading up on things and um, investing a little bit, uh, like small amounts um, over the years that grew a bit. But it took up to, yeah, I would say 2012, 2013, that I really got started with like larger amounts and doing like proper, proper research into uh, shares. But just to give a really good practical example, would be, um, yeah, I'm going to throw Ahold, the supermarket chain, in again as the example of uh, how I would invest in a company for dividend growth uh, purposes. So Ahold is a supermarket chain based in um, the EU, US, revenue comes like 60-ish percent, uh, US 40 percent, EU, it's fairly stable, they've had a few rough years in 2002, but afterwards they've had a really nice stable growth of the company, they recently merged with uh, Delhaize from Belgium in 2016 and they now form a nice dividend paying company. So, Ailed. Uh, I invested for the first time in them six years ago and bought their shares. Which broker? Uh, oh, so, um, I, uh, the, um, okay, let's start. Yeah. The broker I used to um, buy Ailed was Digiro.nl because at that time I was still living in the Netherlands. But there are many different brokers, but Digiro was, in my case, just the steep, uh, cheapest broker available. Um, and I found as a student, and at that point, I just wanted to be cheap, get the lowest possible fees, and uh, work uh, uh, in that way. So, Ailt, as practical example, um, I bought Ailt five, six-ish years ago for the first time. I don't recall the exact share price, but at that point, they were paying out like 3% dividends uh, yield on a yearly basis. And... Um, I bought them and was like, yay, a thousand euro, I'm getting like, um, yeah, a bit of dividend every year then, and let's let's get this started. So um, let's just work in a timeline from year one to six. So um, year one, AL paid me a bit of dividend, um, and I reinvested this dividend in buying more shares of AHOLD, and I added a bit of my own money in terms of more contributions. Nice, AHOLD, um yeah, my share account rose, um, and I at that point was, uh, yeah, had a bit more money inhaled, and the year uh, afterwards they paid me a new dividend. They also increased the amount um, of dividends they paid, and I had more shares. So hey, more dividends, thank you very much. So, and uh, fast forward, yeah, now six years later, uh, every single year I kept doing the same thing, had a bit of money. Uh, to it out of personal contributions and reinvest the dividends. The dividend of Ailt has been rising every single year. They had like between 5 to 10 percent on their annual contribution. They pay out dividend-wise and they are really stable. They, um, they have this standard where they pay out between 40 to 50 percent of their yearly profit in dividends. So um, what they pretty much do, as long as they keep making more profit on a yearly basis, 40 to 50 percent of that gets paid out to their shareholders. Um, which I find really nice and I also like because it keeps it responsible. If they don't make profit, they don't pay out. But because they're a supermarket chain, because it's conservative, because people in the end always will need food, uh, I am, um, yeah, I trust enough in them as a company to keep investing in them and I'll keep doing that for the remaining future. So pretty much, I'm in year six uh, now as uh, an old shareholder. I've got a nice um, yeah, position built up in it now and a, a nice yearly cash flow based on the dividends. And what I got initially, so the shares I bought six years ago, what they pay out now based on like a cash on cash dividend return is around 9%. So that means my euro I put in um, six years ago pays me 9 euro cents a year. So 9% uh, yield on a yearly basis. 
do you have to say me as a Dutch citizen? Um, I pay 50% tax, 1.5 over um, my dividends on a yearly basis. They're actually going to cut that next year, so that's going to be really nice. Um, and I do pay that still on it, which is going to disappear next year. Uh, and yeah, so that's in the Netherlands. Uh, nice to throw in maybe a couple of blogs that would be interesting to follow. That's, that's great. You see, that's what I really... Um that my favorite part of uh, learning more about investing is hearing w how other people invest because I think you can learn a lot. So thank you very much for taking me through that process. I think um, I understand a bit more how uh, dividend investing works. And actually it's interesting because I, I thought it was a bit more complicated. Like I thought uh, I thought you had to invest in the stock and then they would like send you money through a dividend. I didn't know how they would send me the money so I was very confused. Mm. I was like, not a bank transfer. That doesn't make sense. So how... And it wasn't until I personally signed up into DeGiro, the, the UK version, and finally invested in Rio Tinto. And now I see it's just through the platform. They just they just um, pay you through the, the broker, your broker. And I didn't understand that until I finally did it myself, which is why also, Alvar, you're right. Do your research, do it yourself. But sometimes it's really nice to see how one person does it because it's much more actionable and it's easier to understand. Anyway, so talking about research... What are your top websites, YouTube, blogs, podcasts that you would recommend to people to do research on dividend investing? Very important question. So let's get started with podcasts. Um, the Investors Podcast is one of my personal favorites in terms of shows. They don't necessarily just focus on dividend growth investing, but I think they are a really good source for anybody who wants to learn about investing and um, especially dividend growth investing in the sense that um, what I am doing is dividend growth investing, but at the same time looking for companies that are undervalued and buy them at a good price. Um, their philosophy matches really, really well with that, so I would recommend them um, just as a good show to listen to. In terms of research, um, Morningstar, just for your core data about stocks and do, you, do your research, get your balance sheets and everything, Morningstar is... Um, key in that sense for me seeking alpha is a really nice community with lots and lots of articles you just read up on companies get a bit of background information um yahoo finance for all your charting and just daily news in the sense that uh, they have some really nice charting tools to see data to compare things to get industry averages uh, so in that sense i would go for morningstar and you finance just for core data um, seeking alpha to get a bit of a sense what the community is saying and get good articles investors podcast for a nice good podcast to, to listen to and just get a really good sense and also pick up on some nice ideas um, and those are in essence um, and in terms of blogs i would also like to throw in no more waffles which is um, a belgian blogger who is not crazy active anymore but has a really amazing blog and actually was uh, like one of my first founds in terms of different growth investing blogs i really like his approach he also has um, an example portfolio on his website, which is really nice. worth checking out. So I spoke earlier about like top 20s, top 30s of companies you can buy. You can pretty much just steal from people, take over. Always do your research. I just repeat it once more. <laughs> um, but there are some really good takeaways there in those top 20s and top 30s of where people actually invest. That's perfect. We're going to add all those in the show notes. So just go to financial hyphen 
independence.eu and there you can check out all the blogs, podcasts Alvar just mentioned. Okay, so to finish up, um, we're going to, well, we, sorry, I am going to ask you um, like a, a nice little standard question. We like to ask every uh, guest every on every episode. Um, so, Alvar, who's also a host, but now you're a guest, it's fine. Um, what is your number one tip to reach financial independence in Europe? Because normally I ask in your country, but I'm changing it to Europe. So, in Europe in general, what is your number one tip? Okay, so tough question. I got many different answers to that one, but the one, the number one thing I would just throw in is uh, really understand where it's about for you. You can earn all the money in the world you want. You can uh, be as smart, you can be as frugal, you can earn as much as investing in the world as you want, but in the end it will all be meaningless if you don't know what matters for you and what brings you joy. And that is simply the only real way um, to reach five because otherwise you'll have 10 million in the bank but know uh, where to spend it or no, pur no purpose with it. My personal view on it really is um, get your philosophy straight first and your reasoning and um, the, 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 the high earning job, the investing, that itself is logical, is straightforward and you, you'll get done regardless. But get your philosophy and get your mindset straight first. That's the number one thing I would give people with SFI. Yeah, I love that. And um, what I love about this whole like financial independence community is that at the end of the day, like we talk all about numbers, a lot of about investing, a lot about all that. And it's great, but at the end of the day, it's all about just doing what you want. And that's really, I don't know, philosophical. Yeah, it's funny how something so financial and so um, involved with numbers at the end is just a philosophy. So that's really, that's a really good answer to my question, Alvar. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for coming on this podcast. Since <laughs> you are already on every single episode, thank you for coming to another episode and being my guest this time. Uh, I have learned a lot, actually. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna check out all those um, websites you mentioned, and I hope you, the audience, will too, at financial-independence.eu. Yep, that's it. Thank you very much, Oliver, um, for popping on. See you soon. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review following us on instagram and twitter at financial independence europe sending us an email with questions and feedback we would love to hear from you all the mentioned articles books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu thank you for listening and see you next time